Hey there, I'm David. And I'm Scott. And you are listening to the Books by Old Dead Guys podcast. Episode four. 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 We've done four We've episodes. Done four of these. This, How about that? this is our fourth one. Hey. So And if you're still listening, wow. Thanks. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> So we just finished up uh, chapter one last time, and if I had to if I had to summarize chapter one in just a sentence, it would probably be take heed to yourselves, mm. because I think that was Baxter's constant refrain of take heed to yourselves. You know, speaking to to other pastors about the the terrors, the the, the temptation of. Uh, seeing and speaking against sin in other people, but not taking care of sin in your own life. Yeah. You know, speaking against um, that we wouldn't take the time uh, to prepare well for the sermons that we preach, for the ways that we lead our congregations, that we wouldn't study enough or, or do enough. Uh, some hard words in chapter mm-hmm. one, yeah. and uh, we're looking we're looking forward, uh, looking forward to chapter two. So. Scott, if you'll uh, if you'll take us away, yeah. read, a little, read a little section of the well, the, the next section of sure, chapter two. So chapter one was the nature of this oversight. Like, what does it mean to take heed to your own soul? Mm-hmm. Chapter two is why. It's the motives. It's the why. Why even bother? Why bother to do all this work? Like we leave with this picture of it being heavy and. And you kind of, you almost, not hopeless, but just very heavy. And so this this chapter, I will see, I, I suspect is going to give us a little bit more of a, like a pep rally. I feel like mm. maybe, maybe Baxter's getting some pom-poms out, but we'll see. Mm. All right, so section two, the motives to this oversight. Here's what Baxter says. Having showed you what it is to take heed to ourselves, I shall next lay before you some motives to awaken you to this duty. And here's number one. Take heed to yourselves, for you have a heaven to win or lose, and souls that must be happy or miserable forever. And therefore it concerneth you to begin at home, and to take heed to yourselves as well as to others. Preaching may well succeed to the salvation of others without the holiness of your own hearts and lives. It is at least possible, though less usual, but it is impossible. It should save yourselves. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in thy name to whom he will answer? I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. O sirs, how many men have preached Christ and yet have perished for want of a saving interest in him? How many who are now in hell have told their people of the torments of hell and warned them to escape from it? How many have preached of the wrath of God against sinners who are now enduring it? Oh, what sadder case can there be in the world than for a man who made it his very trade and calling to proclaim salvation and to help others to heaven, yet after all to be himself shut out. Alas, that we should have so many books in our libraries which tell us the way to heaven, that we should spend so many years in reading these books and studying the doctrine of eternal life, and after all this, to miss it? That we should study so many sermons of salvation and yet fall short of it? That we should 
preach so many sermons of damnation and yet fall into it. And all because we preached so many sermons of Christ while we neglected him. Of the Spirit while we resisted him. Of faith while we did not ourselves believe. Of repentance and conversion while we continued in an impenitent and unconverted state. And of a heavenly life while we remained carnal and earthly ourselves. If we will be divines only in tongue and title, and have not the divine image upon our souls, nor give up ourselves to the divine honor and will, no wonder if we be separated from the divine presence and denied the fruition of God forever. Believe it, sirs, God is no respecter of persons. He saveth not men for their coats or callings. A holy calling will not save an unholy man. If you stand at the door of the kingdom of grace to light others in and will not go in yourselves, you shall knock in vain at the gates of glory that you would not enter at the door of grace. You shall then find that your lamps should have had the oil of grace as well as of ministerial gifts, of holiness as well as of doctrine. If you would have a part in the glory which you preach. Do I need to tell you that Preachers of the gospel must be judged by the gospel and stand at the same bar and be sentenced on the same terms and dealt with as severely as any other men. Can you think to be saved then by your clergy and to come off by a he passed for a clergyman when there is wanting that he believed and lived as a Christian? Alas, it will not be. You know it will not be. Take heed, therefore, to yourselves for your own sakes, seeing that you have souls to save or lose as well as others. Ooh. So Baxter, out the box, comes, encourages us to take heed because we have a heaven, mm -hmm. because there is a life after this that awaits us. And so he encourages us to not, not encourage others to enter into that life. And not enter into it ourselves. Mm. To, not, to not simply lean on the fact that we did all this ministry. That we were called a clergyman. That we were a pastor or a preacher. And not have lived the Christian life ourselves. Mm. Oh. Mm. Mm. Now I can't get over that one sentence. A holy calling will not save an unholy man. Yeah. I think of any number of pastors... Um, in America, and around the world too, I'm sure, but definitely in America, who have been sustained in pulpits and um, allowed to continue to lead churches because they had skill. And mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a way of putting it, a word that I hate, winsomeness, they were, they were attractive or they were good speakers or they were gifted leaders and yet they weren't holy but we kind of push that aside because mm -hmm. these men are gifted in all these ways and and baxter is trying to really not just protect the pastor from that but to protect the church from that by helping you to see man it's holiness faithfulness it's robert murray mcshane you know the, the quote i'm going to butcher it because i don't remember it exactly but it's something along the lines of that that thing which my people need the most from me is my own personal holiness mm -hmm. That's the thing, yeah. right? That I'm walking with the Lord, that I'm 
living my life according to the things that I'm preaching, at least striving to do so. I'm never going to do that perfectly. Nobody is. Uh, but, but when I'm sin, when I sin, I'm quick to repent. When I wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm quick to ask to for, for forgiveness. And, and most of all, my folks know, uh, should know, the congregation should know that its pastors are pursuing Christ in relationship. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, mm. you will not pass by simply saying you are a clergyman when you have not believed and lived as a Christian. You know, he talks about that that ministerial skill will not replace grace. Yeah. That that simply being good at being a pastor does not make you does not mean that you have actually lived and believed as a Christian ought to live and believe. Yeah. Yeah, and you think about how he's starting this chapter. It's exactly what we were just saying. You know, he's he's given us the nature of oversight of your own soul. Here's what it means to look over your own soul. We're now starting with the, this is why. What's the, what's the motive? Well, the first one is heaven, Christ, <laughs> like God's glory is at stake, and, and, and eternity for you, for me, is at stake mm-hmm. in our pursuit of holiness. You know, that a tree is known by its fruit, and fruit is different than skill. Yeah. And I think that's a key thing to just think about. Like, we often think of, of spiritual fruit just in terms of someone who's skilled. It's kind of like, it's kind of like gifting. And we try to be really clear here and, and music, because I love music and I've been a musician my whole life. It's easy for me to pick on. There are many skilled musicians who don't necessarily have spiritual gifts because their skill has not made them a believer, you know, or they can, you can exercise a skill in the church and still not be exercising a gift for the church. It's good to have skill. It's good to have talent. And the same, it's no, no less true of a pastor, of a preacher. You can have the skill of preaching, of public speaking, and not be giving a gift to the church and, and not be exercising a gift. And I think that's a hard thing for us to distinguish because we based so much of what we value in church on performance. And that's what Baxter's trying to do is to get behind the performance to the heart to say what what pitiful show it would be for us to be great performers quote unquote of the christian life and miss eternity because we never knew christ mm. yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and we'll hit the second section today we normally do one section and these are these are kind of shotgun they're a little short so i'm gonna we're gonna have to go ahead and do section two as well sounds great so all right, here's what section two says then. Second, second motivation. So if the first one is heaven, second one is take heed to yourselves for you have a depraved nature and sinful inclinations as well as others. So this is going to be a whole lot of self-esteem. Here mm-hmm. we go. If innocent Adam had need of heed and lost himself and us for want of it, how much more need have such as we? Sin dwelleth when, in us when we have preached ever so much against it. And our one degree prepareth the heart for another, and one sin inclineth the mind to one to more. If one thief be in the house, he will let in the rest, because they have the same disposition and design. A spark is the beginning of a flame, and a small disease may cause a greater. A man who knows himself to be purblind should take heed to his feet, 
Alas, in our hearts as well as in our hearers, there is an averseness to God, a strangeness to him, unreasonable and almost unruly passions. In us there are at the best the remnants, pride, unbelief, self-seeking, hypocrisy, and all the most hateful, deadly sins. And doth it not then concern us to take heed to ourselves? Is so much of the fire of hell yet unextinguished that was at first kindled in us? Are there so many traitors in our very hearts? And is it not necessary for us to take heed? You will scarcely let your little children go themselves while they are weak without calling upon them to take heed of falling. And alas, how weak are those of us that seem strongest. How apt to stumble at a very straw. How small a matter will cast us down by enticing us to folly. Or kindling our passions and inordinate desires by perverting our judgments, weakening our resolutions, cooling our zeal, and abating our diligence. Ministers are not only sons of Adam, but sinners against the grace of Christ as well as others, and so have increased their radical sin. These treacherous hearts of yours will one time or other deceive you if you take not heed. Those sins that seem now to lie dead will revive your pride and worldliness and many a noisome vice will spring up that you thought had been weeded out by the roots. It is most necessary, therefore, that men of so much infirmity should take heed to themselves and be careful in the oversight of their own souls. Mm. So the second motive for taking heed to yourselves of watching after your own self is that sin dwells within you that you yourself as a, a preacher of the gospel as a minister have sin dwelling in you and that sin even the smallest sins desire to be more they desire to grow and to overtake us and to and to have control over us and so uh, he lists several pride unbelief self-seeking hypocrisy that all of these desire to have us, desire to overtake us. And if we do not take heed, we will fall to them. Mm. So, so now it's time for the Puritan word of the day. <laughs> the Puritan word of the day is purblind. Purblind. Per purblind. Purblind. Yes, good. Purblind means slow or unable to understand or dim-witted, used in a sentence, something is fundamentally wrong, as even the most purblind apologist must surely come to recognize. Purblind. Purblind. That's what that means. I didn't know that either. Mm. So it's just, it's like the new, it's like the new feature of Books yeah. by All Dead Guys. <laughs> Here's your Puritan word for the day. Puritan, it's time. We need a, we need a sound effect to chime in oh, when, we, when we have the Puritan word of yeah, the day. Well, so we're, we're really, we're not blessed with great means, <laughs> and so I'll just make a bing. Puritan word of the day. <laughs> and we'll go on with that. Purblind. Purblind. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, there you go. Oh, boy. Well, let us not be purblind people. Mm -mm. Yeah, so so you've gotten, you know, first motive is heaven, right? Second yeah. motive is you just ought to know yourself well enough to know. You're just not trustworthy. Yeah. You're not. You are a sinner, yeah. right? And, and, it's, and it's, it's impossible for me to help other sinners without me first being at least cognizantly aware of my own sin, mm -hmm. that I too am a sinner. I am, 
I am a, you know, I've, I've, I've looked at this quote so many times, and some people say it was Luther, and some people say it wasn't. I'm probably going to get fact-checked, but it's the, the quote that says, all we are is beggars, helping other beggars know where to find bread. Well, the essence of that is, in, in, in what way are we beggars? We're beggars because we are needy people, because our sin makes us needy people. Mm. And we've, we've got to run to the grace of God. And as we do so, all we do as pastors is as we're running to the grace of God, we're showing other people where and how to run. Yeah. You know, that is the essence of the word. Yeah. I love the line, alas, how weak are those of us that seem strongest. Mm, that's good. How, how many times have I seen over the course of my short few days on this, on this earth that those who seem to be the strongest yeah. are the ones that fall? Absolutely. That those who seem like, man, these were the people that I thought, man, I want to have faith like them. And then. And then yep. they fall away. Yeah, and it's, it's why, ultimately, we cannot put our trust in men. You know, I still remember very clearly, um, early in my faith, the first time someone who was truly, whom I truly admired in the Christian faith, um, rejected and walked away from the faith and how hard that was and yet so inevitable you know because there is something to there's something to a quiet consistent faith that a lot of times the outward showiness of faith is is just not real you know it's 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 more of a it's more of a fake thing and so it's it's really uh, valuable to see that done over a long period of time It, it, it comes back to when we're thinking about doctrine and theology you know we've we wrongly you know thought of the 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 uh, perseverance of the saints as this once saved always saved thing mm-hmm. you know the, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints is those who endure to the end will be saved and if people don't endure to the end it is because they were not saved yeah. you know that that there is there's a there's a thing to that and and it doesn't matter how showy or outward the faith is and it also doesn't matter the man's vocation mm-hmm that there is always, and there's so, so yeah, you take heed to yourself because you're weak and you're foolish and you're sinful and you're inclined to fall away without accountability, without others to encourage you. Fellowship, community. Fellowship, community. Yeah, any, any of those things. Oh, oh, and by the way, point number one, heaven is at stake. So, so let's not fall away. Yeah. You know, so these, these things are connected. Like, it's like you're starting from most important. Like, look forward. Look at, look at eternity. That's our, that's our job. You know, is to help. It's the. It's another quote that I don't have prepared because we don't prepare this ahead of time. But no, it's, we don't. It's, it's one that, and and again, I'll butcher it again. I can't remember who said it. I wish I could give him credit, but it's something along the lines of, you know, the role of the pastor. I think it's Eugene Peterson. The role of the pastor is to, to tell people that this whole thing had a glorious ending, and a glorious end connected by the messy middle. Hmm. And you're trying to help people look towards the glorious end. Christ is returning. We we have eternity promised with him, but we've got to endure to the end. We've got to persevere. We've got to carry on and be faithful. And so, yeah, I mean, there seem like pretty compelling reasons for us to continue to, to carry on. Yeah, and to exercise oversight in ourselves. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that is that is two sections we overachieved on this one. Hey. Yeah, man. We'll come us. we'll come back and uh, and pick up section 3 of chapter two next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate you. Goodbye.